The opinions expressed on The Rob Report are the opinions of the host participating callers and or listener emails, text, and or letters, and are not necessarily the opinions of WDAY or Forum Communications. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port, 970 WDAYM, 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. We have got a busy show today. In a, a couple of moments, Senator Heidi Heitkamp will be joining us. I'm, I'm sure you've all seen the news. Uh, I, I I was the first, I think, to write about it la- late last night, um, about a situation involving a, a print ad put out by Senator Heitkamp's campaign, uh, which which was a it was shaped as, a, as an open letter to, to Congressman Kramer, um, signed by a number of women um, saying that they are, are sexual assault survivors. Uh, some of the women, and I, I'm, I'm counting now as, as high as 13, based on what I've seen from social media postings and, and communicating with some of these women, uh, 13 women who said they didn't want to be included in the ads. So we'll talk with Senator Heitkamp about that in a moment. Uh, coming up at 1231, one of the women who was included in the ad, uh, Lee Eve Ann Lancaster, is going to be on to talk about that. Uh, she's coming on at uh, 1230. Uh, at 1 o'clock from 1 to 2 p.m. And in the second hour, we're going to have a debate over the approval voting uh, proposal in Fargo. Uh, Jed Limke, uh, chairman of Reform Fargo, is going to be on, uh, obviously supporting his organization's measure. Uh, on the other side, political science professor Mark Johnson uh, is going to be arguing uh, against the measure. That's coming up from 1 to 2. But for now, uh, without any other delay, let's uh, get to Senator Heitkamp. Senator, how are you? I'm, I've, I've had better days, Rob. I was just going to say, I imagine, I imagine you have had better mornings. Tell us, how, how did this ad come to be? Um, you know, we started out hearing from victims of sexual assault who wanted to do something in response to Congressman Kramer's comments about whether, whether um, if you talked about your victimization, you were a strong prairie woman. And so we thought it would be uh, appropriate to make a statement that very many of these women were feeling like um, those comments marginalized them. Um, obviously, um, we we wanted to make sure um, that these women had a voice. Unfortunately, um, we the execution here um, was horrible, and this is a big mistake. Uh, and I can, if I can just say, I know that you said Eve Lancaster is coming on. She reached out on my personal Facebook. I didn't know that today, and so we've been trying to get a hold of her. And, you know, I, I, I will tell you this. This is a huge mistake that anyone was included on this letter that should not have been included. It was um, not uh, – my problem with it is that in many ways for, for women to um, speak out, it takes an incredible amount of courage um, some of the women who may or may not have been victims of sexual assault deserved their privacy. And um, certainly if they were not victims, they deserved their privacy. And this was a major mistake on our campaign's part. And I can't say I'm sorry enough. Yeah. I am so, so sorry that this happened. And um, I'm trying to me- reach out and make sure that it's right, that we make it right. I, I I wanted to ask you about that because you said you're you're trying to reach out to Eve Lancaster, who's again is going to be my guest at at twelve thirty, yeah. uh, and and you're trying to reach out. How is it that you don't already have? And and I guess I'm I'm wondering like like how these names ended up 
in your ad. Right. And, and I mean, now at this a, point, yeah, yeah, at this point yeah. that, that you're, you're working to try to get in touch. I mean, that to me implies right. that you don't like right. have their contact info. So how would, how they end up in the ad? Who verified this? Yeah, no, Port, Rob, that, that is a very legitimate question. And we're trying to track that down and trying to, we, we worked through advocates, advocates who had worked with victims and they provided the names. And so now we're trying to uh, work through what exactly happened and how this mistake was made. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, I can't tell you that there is any good or logical or appropriate reaction or response um, to that question. There's no defense. The defense is that it appears that there was a major failing um, as, as to a group of women who were part of a stream on Facebook. That's as much as what we know right now. And these women in no way, in a, it, from, from uh, catching up here, gave their permission nor did they want their name in the ad. I will not deny that in any way, shape, or form. And we absolutely have to try and do everything we can right now to make this right. And, you know, I've been, you know, we've been reaching out in social media. We've been trying to get phone numbers. And, you know, I can only ask that if somebody wants to speak to me, and I can understand if they don't want to speak to me personally, to please give me a call. And we'll, we'll, we'll... have a personal conversation. You, 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 you said you worked through, through advocates. Um, at, at, at the bottom, I mean, this is an ad. I mean, at the bottom, it has your campaign's disclosure Absolutely. on it. Who, who, who in your campaign approved this? Well, I mean, you know, my name is on the bottom. I didn't see the ad before it went out. But you know what, Rob? I'm not one to say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a list of people because at the end of the day, the most important thing that we can do is take responsibility for anything that has our name on it. I did not say don't run that ad. That was not a mistake. Um, I, I take responsibility personally. I will do the internal evaluation to find out how this happened because I think that the victims who were listed on this ad or the women who were listed on this ad who were not victims deserve an explanation on how this happened. And, and so we're trying to get to the bottom of it so that we can, in fact, provide that information. But at the end of the day, Rob, this is on me. This has got my name on it, and and I don't. I mean, I, I, I've as I have said in the past, I've spent a great deal of my professional time working with victims, and the worst thing you can do is take away their privacy. And I feel like if in fact these women were listed who are victims, I did exactly that, and I and I need to personally apologize, say it was wrong. But on the flip side, it also diminishes the bravery of people who wanted to be on the ad who said, put my name on the ad and proudly, you know, are speaking their voice. And so we don't want to diminish their voice either. But there's, there's no sugarcoating this. There's no, there's no, oh, well, maybe if, you know, there's none of that. This was a colossal error, and I have to do everything that I can to make up for what went wrong. I want to read you something. This is one of the messages that I, I, that, that I, I was, that, that was shared with me. Uh, from one mm-hmm. of the women, um, she wrote uh, that the full page ad was paid for by the Height Camp campaign. Uh, well, my name was printed in that list without my consent or knowledge. I only found out about it after my dad started getting all these calls from friends thinking I was assaulted or raped. Yeah. It's caused my family a big headache and a lot of upset and stress. Now, I, just before the show, I got another email from a father of, of one of these women uh, he wrote, read your blog post. Thanks for holding them accountable. FYI, my daughter, and I'm not going to read her name here, 
uh, is, is listed twice. He says she's listed by her maiden name and her married name. She did not give permission for either name to be used. I'm mad. She's used as, as fodder for the Democratic machine. And I'm, I'm hearing that a lot from people, Senator, that, that this mm-hmm. is an example of your campaign being so in the moment, so heated. And listen, we all know how these campaigns go in the moment, but, but your campaign being so hungry to score points, to dunk on Congressman Kramer, that all accountability just went out the window. Is that fair for people to feel that way? I, I don't think, I don't think, I mean, I, I, I think people, anything that you say that people are feeling right now is fair. I, I mean, I'm not going to diminish the anger, Rob. I'm not going to diminish the, the hurt and the, the um, uh, irresponsibility of this. There's, there's no excuse for this. There's no answer for this except to say, I am so incredibly sorry. We'll try and do what we can. That's not going to be good enough for, for some people. They, they, I mean, all I can say is that when at the end of the day I put my head on the pillow, I know that I caused hurt for people that I never intended to cause hurt for. doesn't mean that, that they didn't get hurt. And so I, that's on me. And the only thing I can do is say I'm sorry and try and examine ways that we can fix it. Well, can you can you tell us because you said there's there's going to be an internal review or something? Can you share with us some of what that'll look like? Well, we're trying to to get to the bottom of where this that the 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 names that appear to be Rob um, uh, inappropriately listed came from we believe a Facebook feed that that was forwarded to the campaign as as a way to say these are people who who wanted to be listed. There should have been direct verification from the campaign. There obviously wasn't, um, or those names wouldn't have been on the list. In, in other cities, I think there was direct verification. So we are, we are just trying to examine how this happened. But, it, but, it, but, you know, that process piece that everybody focuses on, you know, we're not going to run an ad like this. There's not, again, there's not, there's not like, okay, we'll try harder next time. That's not enough answer. The answer is, Look, this was incompetent, this was wrong, and this should have never happened. And, you know, people can feel angry. I completely appreciate that. I want to talk to people to express personally my, my concern and my, my um, uh, apologies. And, you know, I, I think a lot of them don't want to talk to me. That, that I understand. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to ask for forgiveness. It's not my job. My job is just to say I'm sorry and that I hope that there is something we can do that makes this right. Could there be lawsuits over this? I mean, has your campaign contacted legal counsel for any sort of liability or anything I, in, in, in regards yeah, to publishing I this? I don't know. You know, Rob, I've just been okay. focused today on simply reaching out. And some people who are lawyers, and I guess that would be me, would say the worst thing you can do if you're, if you're worried about lawsuits is admit any culpability or any negligence. Now, I'm admitting it right here that this was irresponsible. This was not what we should. This is not the kind of work that I think defines my work overall. But this is a very flagrant error of the campaign, and I own it. So let's, let's, uh, uh, let's just, I think for me, that the, the focus is on these women whose names have been listed, who um, feel victimized by the campaign. That's my focus today. 
Do you think there's anybody in your campaign who who might? And, and I realize again, you haven't you haven't gone through the process yet. But I mean, at, at some point, do you feel like somebody could maybe lose their job over this? Because from what you're telling me about how serious this is, I mean, this sounds like this could be a fireable offense. Right. I, I mean, I, th- I think we've got to finish the review. And I, right. I always find it interesting because one of the first things, you know, kind of traditionally gets done in, in crisis management is you find someone and you say, I fired them, therefore, therefore everything's okay. That's not, that's not where we're at. Yeah. That's not okay. That's, that where we're at is, is trying to figure out how we can um, uh, restore um, uh, to the extent that people have suffered any consequences, how we can in fact, make this right. Well, I can hear the emotion in your voice, and I, I can tell you, as somebody who's been pretty critical of you over the years, uh, I don't think that this was something that you would have ever done on purpose to hurt people. I, I just, I just well, don't believe that about that, you. Thanks for that, Rob. I just, I, I can tell you that this is really hard, and and I'm not here asking people to feel sorry for me. I'm just here saying I am sorry. Can I ask you one question? And just to be sure. Well, why today? I mean, for, I've been trying to book you for an interview for years. I've been trying, frankly, to get a comment or even so much as a press release from your office for, for years. And I don't want to make this about me, but obviously this, this happens today, and then suddenly your staff reaches out to me and says you want to come on the show. Why, why today? Um, I think because if I hadn't reached out to you, you'd say, well, yeah, here she is going on friendly media to, to take her licks and not, not reaching out to people who will yeah. be critical of her, people who... Who you know, and, and what I what I would say, Rob, I I disagree with a lot of your criticisms of of me I and and the do. campaign. I you know I you know I don't know that that having a conversation with you about those criticisms is particularly fruitful. But today, your criticism of this campaign is right, and I want to be on basically not not dodging any responsibility at all, but reaching out to not just people who who. Um, uh, have been more favorably inclined, but people who have been critical, and that's why we called you. Well, Senator, I thank you for your time today. Thanks, Rob. And that's tell Senator me, Hyde- Lancaster, I know she posted on my personal Facebook page. I didn't see that until this morning. But, you know, she has a right to be angry. She has a right to to call me any name in the book, but I am sorry. Thanks, Rob. All right. I appreciate it. That's uh, Senator Heidi Heitkamp. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. We'll be right back after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Just finished up, uh, well, my first ever interview with Senator Heidi Heitkamp, Mike. Um, what do you think of that? What else can she say? You know, and she and look, she's yeah. done the circuit today. So, I mean, it's it's pretty similar to everything else she said. And and, and look, she's I, I'm 100 percent believe her and I believe she's sincere in what she's saying. And I believe that, you know, her, um, you know, the pain coming through in her voice is authentic. So I don't have I any reason is. to disbelieve anything she is saying today. And I, I'm I've, not sure that there's anybody in the state who's been more critical of her than I have. Right. Um, no question. But. I mean that. That being said, uh, I don't think that she would purposely do this to people. No, but I don't think that that I don't think that's not an excuse. I mean, I don't think that's any sort of an exoneration. You, you know what I think happened, Mike? Mm. I think that we are in the middle of an extremely heated campaign. I'm not sure our state has ever seen a statewide campaign like this before. I think that Senator Heitkamp is losing the race right now. I think her campaign's a little desperate, and. 
born of that desperation, they made a mistake. They got in such a hurry to dunk on Congressman Kramer that they messed up in a bad, bad way and, and undermined their own credibility on this issue. Yeah, um, I, I think, I, and you and I, I think, disagree on this. I think she came out of the, the Kavanaugh situation as as good as she could. I know you thought that it, it that played more into Kramer. I think for her it was, I don't think she lost ground because of it as much. Um, but this might, this might hurt a little bit more. Although I still stand I, by Rob. I still think she's going to win. I'm, I, I still mm. believe that, but today might, Ooh. might be a tough one to overcome. <laughs> Boy, I don't know. I don't know about that, Mike. Uh, let's see. Sean messages. He goes, I'll give her credit for publicly taking responsibility for this. That is the right thing to do. Uh, I can't help but feel though, that it is motivated first by personal embarrassment and a desire to get this out of the news cycle followed by any other factors. I also see her trying to spin this to her advantage, along with lines of, see, I apologize, therefore I'm not a typical politician. I Listen, I, I, th- I think the issue is there's, there's a lot more questions to ask here. You know, I think we need to understand how these names, I, we, I think the public deserves to understand the process behind how this ad got out there. You know, I mean, these are real people who were named in this ad. What happened? I mean, at one point, the senator made a reference, and I, I didn't even think about it, but I just saw on Twitter during the break, the senator made a reference to working with, like, victims advocates or whatever. Okay, so victims advocates are sharing the names of victims with a political campaign, right? But, now, but now maybe, 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 well, maybe, maybe, maybe the way, maybe the way she characterized it's not accurate or whatever. I, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is the public deserves to know how this happened. I still go back to in the end, okay, if I'm a voter and I'm on the fence leaning Heidi, do I, after this, believe Heidi cares less about the victims of sexual assault compared to Kevin Kramer and some of the comments that he's made? I don't know that this changes anybody's vote. Because am I am I going to be more inclined now to vote for Kevin Kramer because of this one misstep by Heidi Heitkamp? If that's my well, maybe if not that's you main concern maybe not you issue. maybe not you but I think you're locked in you and I are locked in I mean you and I you and I are not necessarily the people who are going to be persuaded by this there's I think there's still North Dakota has a very large contingent of the the electorate that is is I wish you washed is the wrong word they're in the middle I don't want to say on the fence because that makes them sound indecisive but they're willing to 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 mix it up you know vote Democrat vote Republican that's who. Heidi, down the stretch here, Heidi Heitkamp and Kevin Kramer are not fighting over the decided voters. They are fighting over the undecided voters. And I think that this, uh, as well as the Kavanaugh vote, frankly, will influence a lot of undecided voters. I just, I, I don't, I don't think there's any getting around that. I think, I think Senator Heitkamp knows that. If, if that weren't the case, uh, Senator Heitkamp wouldn't be on this show today. She wouldn't be on this show today to talk right. about. Right. If it. she, she knows that this is a big election problem that's the only reason she came on today no question yeah so i think i think the potential there we'll see if it does or not but yeah i mean the potential for this to to change some votes or or to knock some people down off the fence on on kramer's side is very very real um so we're, we're going to continue talking about this eve lancaster who's one of the women who uh, was named in the ad is going to join me next uh coming up here next on the uh, rob report 970 wday am 93.1 fm we'll talk with her next we'll be right back don't go away Welcome back, Rob Report 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM. Joining me now is Eve Lancaster. Now, Eve was one of the women who identified herself on, on social media as being included in Senator Heidi Heitkamp's print ad 
Uh, now, the ad, again, we, we just interviewed Senator Heitkamp in the first part of the show. The ad was formulated as an open letter uh, to Congressman Kevin Kramer, uh, critical of some of his comments uh, around the, uh, the, the the controversy surrounding Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, but And I'm, I'm counting as many as 13 women now who have said on, on social media and other venues who are saying that they did not want to be identified as sexual assault survivors in, in this ad. Um, so that's that's the situation now. Eve is one of those women. Eve, th- thanks for coming on today. And, uh, and first of all, let me just start. I am very, very sorry that this happened to you. Yeah, this is unfortunate, but, you know, got to do something about it somehow, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us, how, how did how did you first learn about the ad? Well, I, I just, I guess I just got this message on Facebook pretty much. And um, he asked me, he sent me a picture of it, of what I posted. So I took that photo from him and then I shared that. But he asked me if I um, had permission to be put on this open letter. And I had no idea what this open letter was about. You know, I'm not even like into politics. I'm not a politician person so I had nothing to do with this and I saw that my name was on there and obviously I got really mad and so I just posted on Facebook that this is not okay and then finding out you know obviously all these other people are being or were added to this list and sounds like it was taken off of Facebook because a lot of yeah. the people's names on there aren't even their actual names. It's like their Facebook names. Well, I've I've heard there was I, – I got an email from um, a, a dad uh, who's not so happy who said that his daughter was listed twice, uh, once under her maiden name and once under her married name. Um, so there wasn't – there clearly wasn't a lot of effort. Do you have any idea – I mean, I, I, when I asked Senator Heitkamp about this, she – doesn't seem to know how the ad came to be either. Now, she took responsibility. She said it's her name at the bottom of the ad. It's ultimately up to her, but she said she she wasn't, she didn't approve it, and that, you know, she, she's, she doesn't seem to know how the ad came to be. Do you have any clue how, how, they, how they ended up getting your name, Eve? Well, I know that, you know, this girl um, on my Facebook, I'm assuming that whoever made this um you know, open letter, whoever did this, I'm assuming that she had contacted this girl that I am on, or I have uh, friends with on Facebook, sorry. And she had posted um, this thing about this open letter. And then she tagged all of us, all of these women um, who were on that list I'm not sure if they were all on the list or what, but many people were tagged. And I saw that, and I, I didn't, you know, click any link. I don't remember if there was a link or anything. I just remember, you know, reading parts of this and didn't think anything of it. So I, you know, I didn't want anything to do with it. And all of a sudden, like four or five days later, a week later, I get this message, and it's, yeah, this whole thing is just, yeah. <laughs> Well, how how would they know to tag you? I mean, does this person have knowledge of you that that would lead them to believe that that you would be, I I guess, someone listed on this? And I'm trying. I don't want to dance. I don't want to divulge anything here on air that you don't want to divulge. So I'm I'm trying to be very very careful about that. But how how would they know? Why why would they tag you? I mean, how how would they know to tag you as as someone who could potentially, I guess, be qualified to be a, a signatory on this letter? Because you know, I I used to work with her like 
I don't even know if it was like a week or so that was it, but I, we were just friends on Facebook. I know her dad. Um, but I, I'm assuming she just thought she would take me just maybe thinking I'd be interested in this because I'm a woman. Most women, you know, they get sexually harassed. I don't know, but on it, like, it was probably just an honest mistake on her part. It just so happened that they decided to take those people that were tagged and didn't, you know, contact any of those people, whether it was okay if they could put our names in that, you know, paper. Have, have you, have you been in contact with the high camp campaign? I, the Senator said that you had reached out to her on her personal campaign and she's trying to get in touch with you. So I guess two part question. A, do you want to talk with Senator high camp about this and B, what, what has your interaction with the campaign been like so far? I mean, I've gotten many messages as far as, like, her family messaging me. And I don't know, like, how to feel about this because, you know, obviously this is something, you know, it's a little messed. It's not a little messed up. It's actually really messed up. But I don't know, like, if I want to, you know, have her apologize to me because, you know, I've heard that they've tried contacting almost all of those people over Facebook, you know, to, you know, apologize. But it's like, if you're going to be working for the city of Bismarck, wouldn't you think that you would have the common sense to, you know, get in contact to get permission in order to prove your point on a serious subject like this? You know, it just, I don't know. It doesn't really well, make was, a lot of sense to me. That was a that was a question I asked the senator. She said, well, we're trying to find contact information for these people. Well, they signed a letter that went out from your campaign, Senator. How did you not already have these people's contact information? I, I mean, that was just bizarre to me. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like, you know, it's just weird that they would add, you know, every person that was on that list where they live specifically. And I feel like if they're trying to, you know, promote some, or not promote, but put out a kind of like an awareness about sexual harassment, but you know, why would you put our names and where we live, you know, on that? Just, it just, that's kind of like an easy access, you know, now people who have seen that know where each one of us lives based on our Facebook information. And that's kind of creepy in a way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's negligent. Uh, do you, uh, I, 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 this is something I asked Senator Heitkamp, but she says, I mean, it sounded to me, I mean, she sounded shaken. I, I don't know if you heard the interview, but she Mm-mm. sounded shaken about this. And I honestly, I think her emotion's sincere. Um, but I kept asking her, you know, what, what does the process look like for, for some accountability for this within her campaign? She was very noncommittal on that. What would you, I, I guess, as, as, as the victim of this, what would you like to see happen? Uh, you know, honestly, I really don't know. Like, like I said, I'm not a political person. It was just this whole thing. I would really like it if she you know, put out some, like, an actual apology instead of trying to, you know, con like, I contacting everybody is a nice way, too, but if this went out publicly, I feel like she should publicly apologize herself. I don't know if she actually knew about this. Like I said, I don't really keep up with anything on High Camp or Kramer or whatever, um, but, 
you know, this is serious, and I don't know if she realizes that the impact this has put on some people, if they've been sexually assaulted or not, because some of those people weren't, and yeah. some of us were, and people don't know that for sure, and I, it's just... Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, I, 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 I mean, I, I got a message, one of the women and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name her, but I, I have in my hands here <laughs> a message where she said that she only found out about the ad when her father called her and her father found out because friends and family had been calling him saying, oh my gosh, we didn't know about this. And then he's calling her and asking, and it's, it was this big scary headache. I mean, I can't even imagine what that feels like to all of a sudden get that phone call or to get that message on Facebook or to get tagged in Facebook or whatever and, and have this all of a sudden this, whether it's true or not, this thing about you is out there. That's I, I live, I live in the public sphere. I mean, I'm a public figure and so I'm kind of used to getting mm -hmm. ambushed, but I can't imagine something like this being out there. It's, it's terrible. It's, it's horrible. It really, it makes me mad. Like I, just don't understand, you know, what this person was thinking, thinking like, oh, I'm just going to take all these names. Nothing's going to happen. And look at like it's getting this much attention already in just like the past, you know, less than 24 hours. Like, look at that. What does that say? Yeah. Well, I think what it says is it was a it was a serious, serious blunder feels like an inadequate word for it but i i guess that's the word i'm going to use um even any, any final comments anything else you'd like to say about this um i i guess all i would want to say is you know i support exactly you know what that open letter was about i just you know obviously don't agree with the non-consent you know it's the same thing with non-consent for sexual harassment but they didn't give consent to or we didn't give them consent, you know, kind of the yeah. same thing in this case, but different. I want to I want to read a message. I I'd asked I'd asked a number of of, of women to, to to come on the if if they felt like it to come on the show today. And and Eve, you were certainly kind enough and brave enough to come on. I asked Katie Miller as well, who is is someone mm -hmm. who she she said that I could read this message on air. She messaged me shortly after Senator Heitkamp's interview. She said, "I quote: I know Heidi is going to be on your show today." and I'm not comfortable talking on air with her. After falsely claiming publicly that I'm a survivor, then having her staffer call me a thug and an idiot in the comments, and she's referring to some comments that people, I don't know if you describe these people as staffers, but people have certainly either volunteered for the Heitkamp campaign or appeared in ads for the Heitkamp campaign. We're calling people thugs and idiots on Facebook. It was unfortunate. Uh, anyway, Katie continues, she says, oh she has chosen to put sexual abuse and harassment in the forefront of her campaign at the expense of survivors. So that's what Katie said, and, and she said I could read that message on air, and I wanted to get her two cents on, but she just she just didn't feel comfortable coming on air, which obviously is certainly certainly understandable. Eve, thank you for oh, coming yeah. on. I am I am so sorry that this happened to you, and um, and I you you're very brave for coming on and talking about it. Thank you, thank you. That's uh, Eve Lancaster. This is Rob Port, nine seventy WDAY AM ninety three point one FM. We'll come back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM. Kurt emails, uh, you couldn't have handled that better. I hereby upgrade you to knighthood. I hereby dub you Sir Rob. Is he being sarcastic? Was that a sarcastic? Knight. Knight. You're, now you're like I'm Elton John. Knight. You're like, can you sing no. like Elton John? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Sir Elton John? Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> some other emails here. 
Um, another email, I, I believe, uh, referring here to Senator Heitkamp. Well, I could believe she is owning it. I find it amusing that it is only because she needed you to get the word out that she appeared on your show. Yeah, you know, I, I, I thought that explanation, and I didn't want to make it about that. I mean, obviously, I've been harping on the senator for not coming on the show for a while now. I didn't want to make it about that today, but I, I think you can't, you can't ignore the timing. Yeah, I don't. I, like I don't that. think you can ignore the timing that that, that that all of a sudden, all of a sudden now. She wants to come on the show. And she said, you know, well, every other time she doesn't agree with my criticism. But she came on today because she didn't want to be accused of just going on with, um, you know, going on friendly media. Well, <laughs> I, I, I feel like she's sort of admitting she spends most of her time on with friendly media as opposed to maybe right. confronting her. Well, and, and some often. of the other criticisms oftentimes, I mean, it isn't always something like this or like Brett Kavanaugh. It's about policy. It's about yeah. What, what's the policy and what's your position on a certain policy? Yeah. And so, and look, I get it. She wouldn't be the only politician that goes on friendly media more often than not. But I still think once in a while you should go on the quote unquote non friendly media and answer questions well, when it comes goes to policy on her brother stuff. Show. What's that? Uh, Kramer Kramer goes on Kramer goes on uh, her brother show. Oh, so, you're the guy who has I mean, an obsession with you and form communications, you mean? You can't stop I, I, talking I about it. For all the yeah. bashing you take about Heidi Heitkamp, or her brother can't stop talking about you and form communications. He has a an obsession. He, again, brought it up today. It has nothing to do with anything today. You and yeah. form communications, nothing to do with any of this. I had to make sure he brought it up today on his show. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, if we want to talk about like using very, very personal information, I mean, let's not believe he likes to talk about my divorce records and stuff all the time. Yeah, on brought there. that I mean, up today too. And the only reason he said he put those out there is because you, you would do the same thing, Rob, if you had, if you had that same yeah. information, Rob, you'd have done can, the same thing. If people knew half of what I know and I don't publish, um, people be looking at me as a paragon of restraint. Well, is that a reason to do something? Uh, because, well, if somebody, if you would have had it, you would have done the same thing. I know all sorts That's of, I know all sorts of personal, dirty, ugly rumors and stories, and I know a lot of them are true. And I don't put them out there because you know what? They're not relevant. They're not relevant. Talks about so, what you what whatever. you get paid and how uh, other people yeah. that have worked here for much longer than you get paid less. So what about it? His job? I could, does he does he dole out well, his salary to those that have been there longer than him that make less than him? Which I'm I'm certain yeah. that there are people in that yeah. position there. So does he, I didn't know I had to does, take a vow of poverty. Yeah. Well, to, and, uh, according <laughs> to him, because people don't like that. But I wonder if at his job, and I know a lot of people that work there. Know. So if he's giving out money to people that make less than him. Because they've been there longer. Because that's the that's the barrier. That's in his mind. That's yeah. how it works. You've just been somewhere longer, so you deserve more. On uh, on Facebook, Corey says uh, Camp should call for an FBI investigation on how these women's names got on her open letter. <laughs> well, it's fair. Oh, maybe, maybe. Oh, so, uh, let's see. Well, next hour. What should we talk about next hour? We've been talking about this all hour. I don't think this story's going away. By the way, and mostly because I, I think the thing, and I, I think it's fair to understand. I think the thing we still got to understand is how how did those names get on there? I, I want to know that, um, you know. I, and I think that there's got to be because even Senator Heitkamp herself is acknowledging this was terrible. This was terrible. It's indefensible. And if we all agree on that, then I think we should all understand how did it happen, who is responsible, and what's the accountability measure going to be. I want to see those three questions answered. That's what I would like. 
Um, but anyway, we're going to move on in the next hour here. We're going to talk about this approval voting thing. Are you are you a fan of uh, approval voting, Mike? I'm not a fan. You of like this proposal voting. for Fargo? No, I do not. Yeah, I do not like. I'm. It. I'm. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am dubious myself. But we're going to have a debate about it. Jed Limke, who is the chairman of Reform Fargo, they're the organization that is uh, that is behind the uh, behind the measure. He's going to be actually in studio with us. Uh, and then Mark Johnson is going to be on. He is a political science professor. He's going to be uh, making the argument from the other side. Uh, and we'll have be having that little debate. And certainly people can call in if you've got questions you want to ask about it. Uh, from either side, we're going to be hosting that debate now uh, coming up in the next hour. 701-293-9000, If you want to start emailing your questions in, you can right now. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. All right, hour two of the Rob Report here on 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We have a debate today, right starting right now, on approval voting in the uh, in the city of Fargo, uh, and we have a couple of folks on uh, one on each side of that issue. Uh, first up, I want to introduce Jed Limke. Now, Jed is the chairman of Reform Fargo. Jed, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, and then the other side of the debate is Mark Johnson. He's a political science professor and uh, is opposed to the approval voting measure. Uh, Mark, how are you? No, oh, just fine, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's let's get started. And by the way, if if you want to call in, that we're we're gonna, I, I would like to defer to your comments, your questions uh, about this issue. Um, so if you want to start getting those in now, you can call in 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. You can also email your questions in talk at wday.com. And uh, Jed, let's start with you. You're the one. Uh, you're the one making the proposal here. What is approval voting? Why is it right for Fargo? All right, so it's a um, simple uh, election system that I think that we should switch to in the city. Basically, it says instead of only being limited to voting for one candidate for mayor or two candidates for commission, you can vote for all the candidates you approve of. It boils down to, you know, if there's seven people running and you like four of them, vote for four. You only like one, vote for one. It's uh, a way of saying, you know, an individual thumbs up or thumbs down to every candidate. And the hope is that it will ensure that to get elected, you have to have broad support and that the candidates who get elected know if they have broad support or when they get in. So to, for your mind, because I, I, my understanding of this is that in the past we have had candidates be elected and they only have like 27% of the, the total vote. So your idea is the candidates who end up winning will have a larger percentage of the vote and, and I guess then be more representative of, of the larger, of, of, of the will of the people, I guess? Um, the idea is to make sure that the candidates who are elected um, have the will of the people. Yeah, Um in recent elections, we've had them where, you know, four out of five, all the way up to, you know, seven out of ten, two out of three of voters weren't voting for the people who were eventually elected. And we don't know if the people who are elected are um, representative or if they just, you know, slip through the cracks necessarily. This is, And this doesn't have to do with the people who were elected. It just has to do with making sure that we have a good, fair representative system. Now, let's go to the other side, Mark Johnson. Uh, Mark, why don't you give us a little bit of your uh, your biography, who you are, and then tell us, why do you oppose this? Sure. Well, real quickly, who I am, I, I am a political scientist. I'm a resident of South Florida, but I teach over the Moorhead side of the river. I teach at M State, the community college over at Moorhead, and I'm always supposed to say this when I appear in the media. I'm appearing on behalf of myself. I'm not speaking on behalf of the institution or the college system, so please don't call the chancellor or the president and say that I was speaking on behalf of the college. I'm not. I'm speaking on my own behalf. Sure. Uh, 
my, uh, my, my background, I guess, with this issue is I was, uh, Jed was a member of this uh, city, election reform ta- or city election reform task force. I think I got that name of that all right. City met, starting about two years ago after the 2016 election, I was the outside consultant who was asked to come in and um, sort of do the research based upon questions I got from the task force members. Uh, and I also, my, my own research is I study local elections in Fargo area and North Dakota generally. Um, and my my concern about this is, first of all, it's uh, not being used, and it hasn't been used in any government system. It's not just not being used in cities in the United States. It's not being used anywhere, uh, at least in a governmental system. It was used about 100 years ago in the Swedish parliament. It was used back in the 19th century in the Greek parliament. Uh, they used to use it to elect popes back in the Middle Ages. Uh, it is used in some private organizations, and its its record in, in its use amongst private organizations is somewhat mixed. Uh, you know, it sounds very simple. It sounds very easy. Oh, you're going to get a broader support of, uh, you know, across the entire constituency, across the entire city for these candidates. And yet, the res- uh, if you look at the actual data coming from these private organizations that use it, is you're, you're still not getting to a majority. If you've got 11 or 9 candidates, which has been our situation the last couple cycles in the city of Fargo, um, you're still not going to get 50%. It's just there's too many candidates. So when you only have two seats and you've got nine or 11 candidates running for them, yeah, you might go from 17% to, you know, mid-20s, mid-30s. Uh, some of the organizations that have used this, uh, the American Mathematical Association, the, uh, uh, I can't remember what it's called, the International Society of Electrical Engineers or whatever that thing is called, uh, Dartmouth College, and they've all had... You know, 35, very very commonly had elections where, you know, the winning candidates had maybe 35% of the support. Uh, Some of those national organizations have actually dropped this. The Dartmouth College trustees actually dropped it by an 82, they took a vote amongst the alumni. 82% of the alumni who used it for almost 20 years decided to get rid of it in 2009. So it's got a very uh, mixed history in terms of its effectiveness uh, in, in sort of, delivering, if you will, on the claims that are, that are made on its behalf. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. I want to give Jed a chance to respond to some of that, and then we'll get to the calls. Go ahead, Jed. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, uh, number one, um, this, uh, I have some questions about that. So, um, Dartmouth, yes, they did drop their use of approval voting. Uh, they didn't switch back to uh, what we currently use, though. They didn't switch back to First Past the Post, which is the name for our current system. Um, they switched to instant runoff, I believe. Uh, Sweden didn't switch to first past the post. Uh, they switched to some form of MMP or mixed member proportional. Greece uh, switched to sequential proportional approval voting after they left approval voting. Um, so while those countries do not currently use it, this is absolutely true, they didn't switch back to our current horrible system that we currently use here in the city of Fargo. It's important for people to understand that over 300 municipalities in the United States have dropped our archaic choose-one voting method for something better. And I'm just hoping, we are just hoping, that we can switch to something better. And also, um, you went through Mark's pedigree. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a North Dakota native. I ha- hold degrees in mathematics, software engineering, and computer science. I also, you know, at least have a little bit of knowledge in this area, and I'm just trying to make our local government better. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. Uh, let's uh, go to the calls. We have John on the line first. Go ahead, John. I, you know, I, I myself am not real fond of this idea of approval voting, but I've argued for many years as this city has grown and grown that, yeah, you know, if you truly want some equal representation across the whole city, that 
maybe it's time that Fargo more so look at a ward alderman process where you actually have people from your neighborhood, you know, your specific part of town that are accountable to you as a citizen. And to me, that is more idyllic because it gives the lower income neighborhoods a, a, a little more firm voice versus he who has the most money for advertising wins, which is, you know, the way elections have more and more gotten in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Jed. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm totally with you that maybe Fargo does need to move to wards. And the neat thing about approval voting is that it's fully compatible with those wards. Approval voting is meant to address the condition of what's called vote splitting, where you have similar candidates and they cannibalize each other's base. And even if they're popular, even if they run on broadly popular pro- platforms because of their popularity, lots of people run on those platforms and they can lose uh, because of it. So it's really important to understand, like, approval voting is fully compatible with wards, and I think maybe we could go that route. Uh, when we, when Mark and I were on uh, the city elections and governance task force, we spoke about the possibility of wards, and uh, we agree that they're probably coming to Fargo. It's just, you know, there's lots of other details that come into that about, you know, where do the lines end up getting drawn? Do we have to worry about gerrymandering occurring? Do we have to worry about packing and cracking of different neighborhoods? And the question before the voters in November, however, is not about wards. It's not about runoffs. It's about do we adopt this better system or not? Uh, Mark, I'll give you a chance to respond as well. Yeah, so so two points. First of all, yes, on the whole issue of wards, I mean, I, I was, much as I was not supposed to be advocating, and I didn't, I tried very hard to do my job. My role was not to advocate for a position. It was to um, you know, provide information. I was trying to get them to think more clearly about wards because I agree with the caller. Uh, Fargo is now 120,000 people. Uh, we have five city council or city commissioners who are elected citywide, um, which is by far, uh, in cities of our side in the Midwest, we are by far have the smallest number of commissioners per voter. Uh, and, and our ratio is like, like 50% off what the average should be. We should be at least at seven, if not at nine. That was actually interesting. Look, that was one of the unanimous points in the proposal that came from uh, the task force. Uh, it got caught up in the city commission over some arguments about should we do it at large, should we do it at wards, and unfortunately they, they couldn't come to an agreement on that. And, um, and it's also not obviously not part of the current proposal, even though it had pretty broad support from the task force. Um, the whole issue of – I want to get back to this, this middle squeeze question that, that Jed has talked about. There's an assumption being made that candidates fit into certain boxes or into certain – that certain candidates appeal to the same sort of – constituencies that other candidates do. And I'm going to refer folks to a Fargo Forum article that uh, Jed was really the source for back in June. We talked to uh, uh, Tuyan Tran, who wrote an article right after the June election about, hey, if we had approval voting, would the results have been perhaps different? And there was an assumption made in that article that because there were four what they called progressive candidates, and the four progressive candidates they identified were Mike Williams, Liz Maddox Johnson, Linda Boyd, and Holly uh, Preston. Those four got just about 50, 51, 50.6, something like that percent of the vote, and that the, the three conservative candidates, what they identified as the conservative candidates, Tony Gehrig, Dave Pipegorn, and Tim Flackle, got 46, 47 percent. There was these two other candidates that got a very, very small percentages and ended up not leading factors in the race. And that all sounds very, it sounds, I mean, you talk to some voters, and say, well, yeah, I, I could see supporting, you know, two of those. And then, then you, if Jed's right, then yes, vote splitting is a problem because which two do you pick? Do you pick these two or those two or two others? The problem is 
voters didn't always perceive them that way. Uh, I've done some analysis on the results. And, for example, in the areas of the city where Mike Williams did well, Liz Maddox Johnson did very poorly. So voters weren't perceiving them as being ideologically similar or as having similar platforms. Uh, similarly, we, none uh, of those other pairs, and I've, I've run analyses on all yeah. the pairs, um, and you really can't say that if you supported Flackle, you were more likely to support Piper or Garrick. It, the, the data don't show that. And it also I've done the okay. same thing with looking at partisanship. There are certain areas of town very Republican, certain parts of town very Democrat, sure. certain parts are very split. And it's not reflecting well, let's, let's, those those patterns aren't there either. So I think the call is right. Sure. We got to go to wards. We got to go to some system like wards. Um, it, right now, the commission uh, and I'm not going to argue that the current system is great. The current okay. system needs some serious reform, but this doesn't fix the problem. I got to go to a break. Sean, hold on the line. We'll get to your question right after. This is the Rob Report talking about approval voting in Fargo. What do you think? We got somebody on from each side of the issue. You can call in now, 701-293-9000, We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report. We're having a debate about approval in Fargo. Uh, and we have people on both sides of the bo- uh, debate. Jed Limke from uh, Chairman of, of uh, Reform Fargo, also political science professor Mark Johnson on the uh, on the other side. And uh, gentlemen, let's let's get right back to the phones and keep things going. Sean from Fargo's on hold. Go ahead, Sean. What's up? Thank you, Rob. Uh, this is Sean Foss. I was actually another member of the City Election Task Force back in 2016 with Jed and Mark. Uh, for the record, at that time, I did not actually vote to support uh, submitting approval voting to the city commission. I was more in favor of increasing the size of the commission to seven and going with a mixture of uh, wards and at-large voting. But in the 18 months since uh, the tax force wrapped up its work, I've come around on the idea. And with that said, uh, my primary thought is that small municipal governments are a good area for us to experiment with different approaches to government, different types of voting. And so I understand Mark's objections along the lines of this hasn't been tested in other municipalities and it might not have as large an impact as Jed's group believes. Uh, But with those two points uh, accepted, I I don't understand what the real potential negative outcomes could be because the two people that get the most votes will still be elected. So I'd ask that question to Mark and I'd also pose the question to Jed that I think the biggest hurdle in making approval voting a success would be educating voters who might not appreciate that they can now vote for as many candidates as they like as opposed to the traditional way of voting. So how can we ensure that voters would be educated enough to uh, actually exercise their full rights under approval voting? Thank you. Let's 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 go to Mark with that first. Uh, Mark, what, what, what's your response? Yeah, well, I appreciate the call from Sean. Um, so there is the, the question of voter education. Uh, you know, how much of a change is this? I'm not sure. There is some uh, some evidence uh, again because you don't have any approval voting being used in municipalities. There's no there's no real data. When you do see a switch, uh, and there is some data supporting this, uh, and I know that both Jen and Sean heard this on the task force because I was asked to look into it. When you switch to uh, ranked choice voting. Uh, which is a form of you know, ranking your preferences. This is my first choice. This is my second choice. Second choice, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there tend, there has tended to be in cities that switch to that. There has ten, tended to be a drop off in turnout because voters are confused. They don't understand. It's a really, it's a much, it's a big change conceptually to go from a simple first past the post to that. So there's some evidence that when you switch voting systems, um, you do hurt turnout. 
what I would suggest is based upon, again, some of this, this data that's been used in private organizations, is there is a huge spike in organizations that use this in what's called single-shot voting or bullet voting, where even though you have the opportunity to vote for more than one, and you're even electing more than one person to a position, there's a fairly high incidence, and a very high incidence in some of these cases, of voters just saying, you know what, it's strategically advantageous to me to only vote for one. And there's been a lot of discussion, not a lot of discussion, because this is not a real popular system, but there's been some discussion in political science in the journals about why this would be so. Uh, for example, in the, we've been talking about Dartmouth College as an example. For the 18 years they used this thing, um, even though they were electing anywhere from three to five board members in any given election, 60% of the voters were only voting for one because they figured out that if I vote for my third choice or, say, my sixth choice, it's very possible that I'm going to screw over my first or my second choice and cause them to lose. So it, it, it still has that strategic voting problem, and what it's tended to do is drive down participation in some of these places where it's been used. Jed, your response. All right, a whole bunch. Okay, so first off, Sean asked about um, what he asked me, um, how we'd educate uh, the public uh, on this and make sure that they're not confused. So um, it's important to note that as part of the measure, um, we do outright change the language that goes on the ballot. So now instead of saying uh, vote for one name, it will say vote for all the candidates you approve of. So we hope that that'll be part of it. Certainly, if this does get adopted, as I hope, um, the city will reach out to people and do education and say, you know, you can vote for all the candidates that you approve of, the most votes wins. Um, so that's what we hope for. And we hope that um, the system is so intuitive and simple that the public will understand that. Mark brought up instant runoff ballots driving down turnout. Well, uh, something he didn't explicitly say, which I'm going to bring up, is that instant runoff ballots aren't a good analog for an approval ballot because an instant runoff ballot is extremely complicated. Uh, if there are 10 people running, you will either have to have a matrix that's on the ballot, you know, a grid that says, you know, first place through 10th place along one side and then all the names of the candidates on the other and you're filling in bu bubbles inside this grid. Or you have to say first place, first place rank all 10 names, second place rank all 10 names and fill in these ovals in each one and make sure that there's not overlap between them either or that becomes a spoiled ballot. So, yeah, it's very true that in these places where IRV, not the system that we're talking about here, but IRV has been adopted Certainly, it has driven down turnout, and that's part of the reason why we recommended approval voting over these other more complicated systems. Furthermore, Mark spoke about Dartmouth College, and he said up to 60% of people were only voting for one. That's great. 40% of people then weren't. All right. In our last city election, 12,184 Fargo voters turned out. 40% of that is 4,873. That means there'd be According to his worst-case scenario, still 40% of voters would choose to vote for more than just one, which would give them um, the opportunity to have their voices heard. In our last race between second and third place, there's 102 votes. That's far less than 4,873. I think that we, uh, yeah, we, I'm sorry, we, we got to go to a break. Uh, we'll come right back. So if you want to get your comments in, Todd, West Fargo, hold on. Uh, we'll get your comments in 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDY.com. I'm going to get some of these email questions as well. We'll be right back here on the Rob Report. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM doing a debate about approval voting in uh in fargo which is a proposal it's going to be on your ballot you're going to be asked to vote on this uh we are going to uh, go right to the phones todd uh has been waiting patiently through the break and of course we have uh, folks from both sides of this issue jed limke uh is the chairman for reform fargo they are for the measure uh mark johnson is a political science professor he is making the uh, case against the measure uh todd you're on what's up 
Say, uh, before I start, I think you hand, you handled that Heidi um, interview very well. Thank you for that. Oh, um, well, thank you, Todd. You bet. Say, um, regarding this approval voting, to me it seems like a problem in search of or a solution in, in search of a problem or something along those lines. For starters, it's way too darn easy to get on the ballot. Imagine if we had the U.S. Senate and just anybody that wanted to whatever whatever it is, fifty bucks or a hundred bucks to get on the ballot. Imagine how long the ballot sheet would be. Maybe maybe City of Fargo should address that to begin with. And second of all, why aren't why aren't these city commission meeting or um, positions political? If there was an R or a D behind behind their name, I would know which way they are. Uh, I, I don't know. Let's uh, Mark. Do you want to go to that first? Um, well, I, I, just to be clear, this this proposal is only about city elections, so it's not going to, I mean, at least for the moment. You know, if it expands, who knows? Um, that certainly is, I know, one of the goals of this national organization that's supporting it is to use us as sort of a, a test, a petri dish or a guinea pig to, to see if they can say, hey, here's a city using it. And, you know, but that's a long ways off. I mean, you're talking, I don't know how many decades you're talking. In terms of why they're political, that's pretty common in uh, most of the Midwest. I mean, there are places. You go to Minneapolis. You go to some larger cities. You go to – I grew up on the East Coast where it was very common, even in smaller communities, for your local government officials to have, you know, R's and D's behind their names. Um, that's – but I'm not, I don't know if there's a place in North or South Dakota and anywhere in Minnesota outside of Minneapolis-St. Paul where that happens. I think that's just part of our, our sort of assumption that, you know, there's not a Republican answer to um, – you know, highway overlays, and there's not a Democratic answer to, you know, speed zones. I, I, I'm assuming no, that's but, but the But on the same, there, is, there isn't a Republican answer to um, health care either. Um, but, you know, when, you, when I look at the ballot and I'm trying to figure out these two, these three candidates, and they all look to me to be Democrat or they all look to me to be Republican, I'd like my Republican Party to, to tell me which of those three um, that that went to the the county convention or the city convention. Which of those three is the most Republican? Which of the three are the most Democrat? And that way, I can for, I can use that just like I do with my um, with my state legislators or um, yeah or my national. Well, thanks, thanks, thanks for the call, Todd. And uh, Jed, I, I think to get to Todd's point, because he's talking about something that's really not. I mean, the, the proposal on the ballot is what we're debating today. We could talk about yeah. other ideas, what should be, what right. shouldn't be. The issue on on the is, on the ballot is approval voting, but I, I I think in in the vein of what Todd's talking about, something that that, that that's occurred to me is I I feel like a lot of this is just born with the fact that Fargo progressives can't get organized right, and they keep running candidates that have a lot of ideological overlap and draw a lot of votes from away from one another, uh, and they can't get organized right, and so now we've got to change the system to uh, basically fit. To, to make it easier for them i, I feel like that's a real that's kind of honestly that's how i perceive this um maybe that's fair maybe that's not i don't know i, I but i think a lot of people do perceive it that way and i, I to me that seems like a silly reason to, to change the way the way we vote I, I agree it is a silly reason and that's not why um this is there like I, i'm a math guy i i care about trying to make sure that we have a a good system in place is what it comes down to for me personally and i see our current system is electing people with with a low share of, of the overall uh, voters' preferences, as far as we can tell, uh, because our current system is so poorly constructed. Um, and an easy solution, uh, an easy at least part of the solution, rather, um, to give some honor to Mark, would be 
to switch our election system to something that's more fair and, and works better and, and can give a more um, full picture of the voters to the government. It, it, approved voting is much more flexible. It allows you to say, you know, these are the candidates that are important to me. These are the candidates whose viewpoints intersect with mine. That might be all progressives or all conservatives, but it might be these two people who care about this issue and that person who cares about that issue that I care about, and you should be able to vote for them. That's what this is about. It's about making sure that we have a good method of allowing voters to communicate with the government and the election process. And and, and, and the problem, I mean, just, just so I'm, I'm understanding the, the, the motivation here, the problem that you're trying to address is that we're going to have people on the city commission who sometimes have, you know, a very low percentage of the vote. And I, and I guess I'm wondering, who cares? Why, why is that such a big problem? They still got most of the vote. Um, the solution to me is is to get organized and consolidate behind one candidate. Don't change the system. Well, see, I, I, so I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see the original problem as that much of a problem to begin with. Yeah, so, so what happens is lots of people um, can run with really popular ideas, and it's possible uh, for those people to all be to drown out one another um, because they're all excited to run. They want to participate in our government. And they hurt their own interests and the interests of even a large constituency um, in the population by running against each other. And they can allow a less popular candidate to win. They can allow that. I'm not saying that that has happened, but I'm saying that it can happen because of our flawed system. Imagine a situation. It's called the spoiler effect. You know, imagine having, you know, two conservatives running against one progressive, even if that progressive is only, you know, 40%. Uh, of the population likes them, and the the 60% is conservative, those two conservatives split the vote, Hmm. you know? Uh, And you can allow that progressive to win, even though arguably 60% of the populace is uh, conservative, but they can just hand it. They can just hand a victory over to the progressive in that case. We saw that. 1992, look at, you know, we could argue at least a little bit about maybe Ross Perot and George Bush, like, Split a little or, bit of or a vote Ralph, there. Ralph Nader and Ralph Al Gore. Nader and uh, Al Gore. You know, uh, yeah, but yeah. so what? Right. So, so, so what? Me, Rob, can I jump in on this? Yeah, Mark, go ahead. Yeah. So, so what this uh, what this all presumes is that voters think of candidates as equal. For example, judges say, "Well, let's say you got sixty percent of the populace are conservatives," but that presumes that those conservative voters would perceive those two so-called conservative candidates equally. And no voter, very few voters think that way. Most voters say, well, I prefer this one because of this issue. Or I prefer that one for that issue. And they, in their mind, most voters are going to say, well, here's my first choice. Sure. But if they can't win, well, then I'd rather go to this choice. And what, what, what we really haven't spent a lot of time talking about is that approval voting doesn't fix any of that. Um, I know the, the, the proponents claim it'll fix it. Uh, what's it really interesting is that it. there's a fellow at NYU, Stephen Brahms, and I know he's now inserted himself in this because... I brought it up in a previous uh, debate, uh, who's been talking about this since the 70s. And I went to his presentation. I happened to be in Boston for the American Political Science Association. And I went to, he wasn't there. He sent his co-author, a mathematician from Berlin, from Germany, to the presentation instead. And during the presentation, this co-author acknowledged that there are some problems with that approval voting can cause uh, what's called subset manipulation. Strate- voters basically saying, I'm going to withhold my approvals from a candidate I'd be okay with because I want to make sure that my first choice wins. And I don't want to accidentally, you know, not have my first choice win and actually uh, and accidentally elect my third choice because I still have to perceive, I still have to anticipate how other voters 
are going to act. And yeah, you still do. The like, they fully acknowledge that that's is a still problem. A thing. Absolutely, tactical yeah, voting. And, and go, go ahead, Jed. Tactical voting exists in all election systems, and no one um, with Reform Fargo, none of us are claiming um, that approval voting is perfect. But we definitely think that it's better than our current system. Um, so Mark keeps bringing up that, yes, people have these internal rankings. Absolutely. I agree with you. When you say that not all conservatives are equal, not all progressives are equal in the eyes of a voter. Absolutely. I agree with you. You know, that's why I don't want to switch you know, city elections to some sort of partisan thing necessarily. I want people to be able to pick and choose which commissioners they agree with. And as far as tactics go, yes, there is there are tactics here. Like you could just say, yeah, I'm just going to bullet vote for my one person. But ultimately, that what Mark is arguing is that approval voting just turns into what we currently have. Worst case scenario, he's arguing that approval voting just turns into what we currently have. And I'm arguing well, that approval voting can give people the flexibility if they want it to give a more clear picture to the government. If there's just one person that they like, vote for one. You like a few of them, vote for all of them. Only know that you don't like someone, vote for everyone else. Our current system doesn't allow you to do that. Our current system doesn't give you that type of flexibility or um, ability to communicate yourself. But approval voting would help to do that for the people who want to do it. We have an email from Joe who uh, his question is, it's to the point you were just making, Jed, is it a violation of one man one vote then? Absolutely I mean, we're, we're not. So one man, one vote, as we understand it today, has to do with a 1965 Supreme Court case, Reynolds v. Sims. It has to do with the uh, weight of different votes between different voting districts. They had some voting districts that high population, others one, others had low. So that meant that the voters between those districts um, had a vastly deferring power over who gets elected uh, within them. This doesn't violate one person, one vote because it doesn't, because this is a voting method change, just like how runoffs don't violate one person, one vote, even though you have different turnout for different layers of the runoff, different rounds of the runoff. It's just why instant runoff voting itself or ranked choice, it's also sometimes called, doesn't violate this because every person gets one ballot. It's one person, one ballot. And, and I could even argue that, if anything, th this helps to try to equalize things even more. If we go back to, you know, even though it's simplistic, and I don't think people are actually like this, but for mathematical reasons, we'll say it, you know, you know you're two conservatives and one progressive. You know, you have one person who votes progressive and they mark one X for their one progressive candidate. And then you have conservatives. Um, like one person can mark one of the conservatives. The next guy needs to mark another conservative. In order to cancel out the one voter, it took two voters under our current system. But under approval, I could say, well, the progressive marks one X. The next guy comes in, he's a conservative. He marks two X's for both the conservatives. Now that, that equals it out. That allows you to cancel out that other person if you want to talk about one person, one vote in that sense. It absolutely fulfills it. One person, one ballot. We got to uh, we got to go to a break. Mark, uh, Jed, hold on, and uh, we'll get to a couple more of these emails after the break. This is Rob Report, nine seventy WDY AM ninety three point one FM. Don't go away. Welcome back. Last segment of our debate over approval voting in the city of Fargo. If you uh, want to get your questions in, seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. Now, Brad has a question, and, and if I'm understanding it. Um, Jed, let me let me let me see if if if, um, if you have an answer for this. What it was? Brad. Brad. Okay, sorry. Brad. Uh, he <laughs> he emailed. Uh, he says, uh, "How is this not just artificially inflating the numbers?" And I think maybe what he's concerned about is obviously, and, and maybe it, it also gets to the previous emailer talking about one man, one vote. Where obviously you're casting more than one vote. 
when when you vote, right? I mean, you're you're voting for multiple candidates essentially. Yeah, you it's can not check the boxes of more than one candidate. That's right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So so his concern is how is this not just artificially inflating the numbers? Um. So in order for anyone's numbers to inflate, they have to earn the support, earn the vote of an individual voter. That's how it's not artificially doing it. In order for your number to go up as a candidate, you have to have gotten one person out there in the public to agree to put a tick mark next to your name. That's why it's not artificially inflating these numbers. Mark? No, I think that's right. I mean, it's, it's, it's not so much a inflation of the numbers. It's, it's really just a matter of, um, you know, voters. I will say yes, on paper, it sure looks more flexible. I want to come back to something that Jed has said, and he said this a couple times today in this discussion, is that what I'm basically saying is that the worst-case scenario is that approval voting just reverts back to the system we already have now. And that's not accurate, and this is the reason why. Under our current, under, under the current system, our, our bullet vote rate, and my, my bullet vote rate is the number of people, the percentage of people that say, I know I can vote for two, but I'm only going to vote for one. Uh, in, our, in the last two cycles, our bullet vote rate has been 5% and 7%. So it's relatively low. And we've got this experience. We've got these experiences from these private organizations where it's actually quite a bit higher. It's in the you know fifty, sixty, maybe even seventy percent range in a couple of cases. So that's where I think that's an inac- that's an inaccurate statement. Uh, okay. This is not going to revert just to our current system. It's we might end up with many of the same winners, but the uh, number of people supporting them is actually going to drop, and because you're going to have fewer people choosing to use that second, third, fourth choice. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So, um, so uh, number one, I, I find it difficult to know if we actually are getting five to seven percent of bullet votes because we don't actually have that level of granularity of data from the Secretary of State's office. So we can't tell if someone specific. Like we don't have an exact count of number of people who bullet voted uh, because the software that that runs our elections doesn't actually collect that. But let, let's say for the sake of argument that that is what it is. It's five to seven percent. Um, there are great reasons to bullet vote. Like I, I, I need to stress this. Like that's why I think approval voting will work well for us is because it's still flexible enough to allow you to just show support for one candidate if that's what you want to do. If if there's only one candidate that's right for you, please only vote for them. I only want you to vote your conscience. I don't want you to give up your conscience in order to vote for someone, do some sort of weird strategical thing like, you know, that that Bush, Nader, Gore race in 2000 where you're the Nader voter and you say, oh, I got to vote for Gore, even though I don't really like him necessarily, you know, or they voted for Gore, even though they preferred Nader just because they knew strategically they had to do it a certain way or Bush, Perot and Clinton back in 92. The, the, The point is, is that you should be able to bullet vote. You should be able to not bullet vote if you want. And again, like, yeah, worst case scenario, we're just doing plurality voting, but more sincerely, apparently, if approval voting is here. Because that that is, I mean, I do think that that is what Mark is arguing at some level, is that having more flexibility will just make us do our current system harder. We're just going to do our current system more sincerely. And, you know, if that ends up being what the result is, fine. Because our people, our citizens, will have the right to do that. If they want to be ultra sincere when they vote, go for it. That's fine. I think they should Mark, be able to. Mark, last statement. Uh, 
Yeah, what I would uh, mostly just suggest to the, to the citizens is, you know, take a look at this thing and take a look also at um, at sort of the support for it. Um, we haven't talked much about this. It was hinted at by a couple of the callers. Um, the support for this, and first of all, there's been a ton of out-of-state money, uh, at least $27,000 at last count. My understanding is more is coming. Less than $1,000 of that, at least of that first campaign financial support, is coming from actually within North Dakota. It might even be less than that. Uh so there's a lot of out-of-state money chasing this thing. We're, we've basically got folks from outside, mostly West Coast, East Coast, saying, hey, let's use Fargo as a Petri dish. Let's use them as an experiment to see if this thing works. And I would I would encourage folks to be very cautious about that. Jed, last comment. Yeah, you bet. So um, so number one, um, this out-of-state money, um, yeah, we, we have taken some. Uh, we're a 501c4. We didn't have to report any of it. We reported it anyway because it's the right thing to do. Um, they didn't approach us. We approached them. There, there's an email trail that goes all the way back to when I was first on that task force where I reached out to tons of different organizations um, across the country asking them, so w- what about this voting method? What, why do you advocate for this one? Why do you advocate for that one? And I asked them questions. And that's why I, I asked them to come to the community and help us out. Number two, as far as our in-town support goes... We are across the political spectrum. We have libertarians who are on our sponsoring committee. We have libertarians who are on the ground with us. We have Republicans. We have Democrats. We have socialists, evil socialists, also on the ground with us trying to help get this passed because we recognize that it's good for all of us when all of us are represented. That's why even locally, um, not only did the ACLU of North Dakota endorse our measure, um, the Fargo Firefighters 642 also endorsed our measure. Um, well, Jed, we we believe we us. we got to we got to wrap it up. But uh, yeah, uh, across across the measure, lots of people. I appreciate both your time uh, coming on the show today and having the debate. I'm sure this discussion will continue. It'll be interesting to see what the outcome is on election day. Thanks to both of you uh, for being on the show. That's it for me today. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com. Congress Kramer, Congressman Kramer, on the show tomorrow. No, thanks for listening. We'll talk again.